Jess Herbst is someone you may have heard about, or you may have heard about the first openly transgender mayor in Texas, as well as the first openly transgender elected official in Texas. That's Jess. And she's been getting a lot of press, especially in her role as an accidental activist for LGBTQ rights. I first met Jess as Jeff Herbst back in the late 90s. We were professional colleagues. I was an editor and also in charge of all the video equipment at ZTV, the Indian Satellite Network's U.S. headquarters in Arlington, Texas. Whenever I had a technical problem I couldn't solve on my own, I would call Herbst, the smartest, most logical video and software engineer I've ever met. After we did all the troubleshooting, we would invariably end up chatting about who knows what for an extra hour or so, and we became quite friendly. And since I had a lot of technical problems, we met pretty often. Flash forward 20 years or so, and we reconnect on Facebook. And then last year, I noticed Jeff has become Jess, and she's also entered politics. I'm Dave Austin, and who are these people? Say something. Uh, do you have the... Can you hear me? Yeah, and I'm rolling. Did you, did you make sure that... Oh, okay. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. A lot exactly. of sci-fi ideas are becoming real. Yeah, it's like Barbarella's tongue box. Yellow. Yeah. Yellow. It is therapeutic. The last generation to be raised without the internet. Yeah. The first generation to jump into the internet. What, what does it mean? Like, did it really even happen? All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. So, okay. Long time no scene and no talk. Yes, long time. Um, I think you've had um, multiple children since I saw you last. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, gosh, I don't know when the last time we saw each other. It must have been like 15 years ago. Probably 15 years ago. I think at the State Fair of Texas was the last time I saw you. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I think think we just kind of ran into each other on happenstance one day. That's right. Okay, well, let's catch up. So, um, yeah, so we've known each other a long time, uh, and we've been friends on Facebook for a while, but we really didn't start kind of messaging each other till not too long ago. And uh, I thought it was funny when we first messaged, uh, you said... Well, not much has changed, but actually a lot of things have changed uh, since I've seen you. So why don't we talk about that? Well, okay. A few things have changed. I think when you met me, um, I was uh, going by Jeff Herbst and I was presenting as male, which I had done for, well, so far the majority of my life. Hopefully I live long enough to double it up, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, um, I have uh, decided to, um, well, I haven't really decided, but finally it was time just to you know, become myself. So I have over the last two and a half years um, transitioned from Jeff to Jess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a process that, um, well, it, it takes a while. I'm probably halfway or maybe not even halfway through, but more important than that, it was a decision that took took a long time for me to come to a decision that you know I actually wanted to do this, and it also took quite a while for my wife to say yes, it's okay, go ahead. Um, but since then, you know, everything has been just kind of um, well, it's been crazy to tell you the truth. Um, 
you know, as a transgender individual, we spend a lot of time thinking that uh, the minute people know we're transgender, um, we're going to be, you know, people are going to look down on us. They're going to um, dislike us that, you know, the world will basically shun us. And I would have to say that um, almost exactly the opposite has happened to me from uh, from the time I made it public that I was transgender, my life has changed radically. Um, I have been um, in the press, uh, literally world uh, around the world. I've been on TV shows and radio, and now um, people, uh, corporations have asked me to speak. Uh, rights organizations have asked me to speak. I've been, you know, invited to D.C. to congressional receptions. It's just um, it's really, it's really a little bit bizarre. It's, it, like I said, it's exactly the opposite of what I was expecting to happen. Um, of, of course, I'm very happy about it, but I'm still pretty uh, mind boggled that it's all happening. Well, yeah, I can see that uh, just by following your comings and goings on Facebook that, I mean, you are doing so much these days. You are, you're, it's like you're on a whirlwind uh, kind of transition of of well okay let me let's just uh, let's take it one step at a time okay i know that i know that you're very vocal about things and you don't mind being kind of you've you've kind of found yourself in this sort of spokesperson kind of position yes so uh so i want to get some of those questions out of the way first and then we'll go okay. more person so what is your standard spiel when people ask you uh, to explain, let's say, gender identity versus sexual orientation? Okay. Okay. And that's a common question I get. Mm -hmm. um, and, and gender identity and sexual orientation have, have really absolutely nothing to do with themselves. Um, as a transgender person, I could be attracted to men. I could be attracted to women. I'm just like any... It, just like a, a cisgender person, um, who I'm attracted to has nothing to do with my gender identity. Just like you, you could be attracted to men, you could be attracted to women. It really has nothing to do with who you are as a male. It has to do with who you are attracted to. Um, and I, like actually a, a large percentage of transgender women, am not attracted to men. I've always been attracted to women. Mm -hmm. And um, that was one of the confusing things about myself when I was a child because I knew I felt female, but I also knew I wasn't attracted to men. So, you know, going by just standard social norms, I thought, well, I, you know, if I'm not attracted to men, I must, I must, you know, if I'm attracted to women, I must be a man. But that's not the case at all. They're not, they're not even related to each other. Mm -hmm. And in the transgender world, which I have now gotten um gotten to be a very large part of you know it there's um there's everybody i have many many transgender women friends who have um wives and children mm -hmm. i also have many transgender friends who um you know they are dating men or they have are married to men mm -hmm. so in your case your uh gender identity changed but your sexual orientation stayed the same and yet by society's Norms. They, now you have changed from being straight to gay. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people. Um, well, yeah. I mean, technically speaking, by society, yes, because where I was a straight 
male, I am now a gay female. Mm-hmm. And, and I do want to back up and correct on one thing. My gender identity has always been what it is. I just did not allow it to show. I okay. hid my actual gender identity. I have always thought, and this is the one of the things that's it's a little hard for people to understand at first when they say, well, gee, you're so different now. It's like, no, this is me. This is the same me I've always been. Mm-hmm. I just didn't show it to you. I've always been yeah. this person. And a lot of the people who have known for a long time, now that they've had, you know, quite a, some people five months, some people two, three years to get to know Jess, um, they realize, yeah, you're just the same person. Um, mm-hmm. We just didn't see you for the way you saw yourself. Okay. Yep. Got it. Um, now, the one there's one other thing that I wanted to ask about, which is um, – only because I have friends who are gay that I knew when they were in the closet and I knew them after they came out of the closet and I could see a huge difference in their personality. Like I really could tell that they were finally being the people that they really are, you know, without having right. to, uh, to hide, hide themselves. Um, but I just, I got to say, when I knew you before, you were so calm, cool, and con- and collected and were so seemed to be such a confident person um i don't know were you just really good at uh fooling everybody or is it more complicated than that um, well it is a little more complicated than that and and a lot of the calm cool collected and confidence was my compensation for myself i knew i felt different on the inside and in a lot of ways i was terrified to to let people know who i was inside and so for me the easiest way to make sure that nobody even suspected was just to make them not suspect and and i developed early on um i realized that if i was confident if i was calm that um you know it went a long way with people and and nobody ever questioned me you know i had seen friends of mine growing up that were in the closet that might have been gay or lesbian and i had seen that um hesitation that um you know that just kind of a little bit of tiny bit of fear but lack of confidence because of you know who they were inside and i realized that that was the first thing that clued people off that there's there's a problem here so i learned early on to um you know, just to, to kind of hide that and to combat that. The way to do that was to develop um, a confident personality. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that's one thing. Now, another big change that I was probably maybe even more surprised at was that you've entered politics. So tell me about that. <laughs> what what okay. made you decide to, to become mayor and was this your first foray into politics or did you do anything else like city council or or something else hello hello oh that sounds a lot better okay good good i told you i had bad um bad internet i wish i had better you should talk to the mayor about that haha i uh, trust me i uh, <laughs> something i've been working on uh and it's not the mayor it's at&t or if i can get some other company to come out here would be it'd be wonderful mm-hmm. so what i was saying was in 99 i built a house in new hope mm-hmm. and the road to my house as well as about 30 percent of the other roads in this town were all gravel mm-hmm. so i started attending the city council meetings you know really just looking for updates are we going to pave this road are we going to pave this road and it just didn't seem it's ever happening. So um, I, I got on the city council the first opportunity I could. Um, I it was not difficult. We're a volunteer situation. I, I volunteered. Said, look, I'd be happy to take up public works. 
Um, that gave put me in charge of the roads. We're a tiny town, so at the time, uh, in 2003, we had a budget of about $40,000 a year to fix every road, Okay. Um, which that wasn't enough to pave one. But mm-hmm. I took a little chunk of money every year and paved a little bit of each gravel road until after about seven years, I had all the, the gravel roads finished. By that point, I was kind of hooked. I'd been on the councils um, for seven years, mm-hmm. and I was enjoying it. Um, Eventually, we kind of changed some titles. We got a new park, so the public works became road commissioner. Then that begat mayor pro tem. Mm -hmm. And really, um, in 2016, I was running for my seat as uh, mayor pro tem and and councilman. And that worked out fine. I was reelected to my term. Um, The mayor was running. Unfortunately, the mayor died three days before the election. Oh, no. So... uh, here we were. Um, I was Mayor Pro Tem, so I'd been running the meetings He for several months. He actually had a heart attack um, right after the filing for election closed. So we ran the entire campaign with the mayor in critical condition in the hospital. Um, and there was nothing else we could do. We had a newcomer running for mayor, so I pretty much went on the campaign trail for the, the mayor and said, look, when he gets better... He'll have the job back. Until mm-hmm. then, I'm taking care of it. Um, and so three days before he passed away, he still was elected to mayor. Um, the town of New Hope is what's called a Class B town under Texas general law, and that prescribes what happens in such a situation. In our case, it means that the city council is required to appoint a new mayor. They could appoint anyone they wanted. It did not have to be someone from the council. It did not have to be a mayor pro tem. It could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, they appointed me and voted me in unanimously. It was at that point, and I thought, well, okay. Um, I knew one thing they didn't know, and that is that I had started hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. um, about a year and a half beforehand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew that before my term was up, which was a two-year term, that it was going to become very apparent. So I had two choices. I could quit and let somebody else try and be mayor, um, or I could let the town know. Looking at the situation of the town at that point, things that I did not know was the old mayor had done a really terrible job for many years of keeping records and payment history and required documents. In other words, the town was in bad shape. Mm -hmm. So I decided that you know I would stay on. I would see through getting the town back in good shape. And if I was going to do that, I had to tell everybody. So that was kind of what begat the situation I'm in. I was mayor. I could not give up on the town, um, but I was not going to give up on my transition. So I had to figure out how to make the two of these things, you know, merge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, honestly, I was expecting a little bit of, um, I was expecting pushback. I was expecting some people to ask me to resign and if I had been asked to resign by the council, I would have, um, but nobody did. Everybody was like, oh, well, that's strange, but okay, keep mm-hmm. being the mayor. Okay. And um, that's pretty much been the attitude since then. Um, I go to city council meetings, and <laughs> there's there's no mention. There's, you, you would not know that I was any different than I had been all those years as councilman, uh, except for the fact that they now call me Madam Mayor. Uh-huh. Well, that's great. But how did you how did you make the announcement? Did you do it at a city council meeting, or did you send a letter, or what did you do? So I took the councilman aside 
at the end of last year, and each and every one of them separately and explained it to them so that they knew. Then in January, I wrote an open letter to the town and posted it on the town website, Mm -hmm. then went on social media and said, hey, there's an important message, you know, from your mayor. Please Mm -hmm. read this. Mm -hmm. Um, Within hours, I started getting emails uh, of congratulations from people in the town. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was pretty phenomenal. Um, so this was January 23rd. My next, um, meeting was on the 30th, but I did have a planning and zoning meeting, which I don't run. I have a commission for that on, uh, that next Thursday. That was the first meeting I showed up as Jess. Mm -hmm. I showed up and I sat in the back of the audience just to gauge the reaction. I had, um, a couple of council members come and sit on either side of me, a couple of the predominant citizens from the town, uh, Came and sat, you know, sorry. That's they they right. came and sat in solidarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just it was just amazing. That told me that, you know, everything was going to be good. The next Tuesday was our council meeting. Um, I showed up as Jess. Nobody seemed surprised. The surprising thing was the Texas Observer showed up mm-hmm. um, and wrote an article. And by the time the evening was over, they, they had already posted it. By the time the meeting began, by the time the evening was over, it was on the BBC. Right. And the next morning, there were four news crews um, in my driveway. Right. <laughs> and that was just this year, right? This January of 2017? That, Is that what you're talking about? That was January 2017. Wow. Uh, January 30th, 2017. Oh, wow. So, so um, you know, at that point, it was just... You know, explain my story, which I've been doing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess one other thing happened, and, and um, I have a girl that I've that's been doing a documentary, and she she's called me an accidental activist. Mm-hmm. I'm not not sure if you're aware of it um, over on your side of the world, but um, the United States has been going through a transgender backlash, where there are various states that are trying to enact laws to prevent transgender individuals really from being public. And they're doing so by by trying to regulate which bathrooms we can use. Right. The state of Texas right now is leading the charge um, after North Carolina has backed down. Mm-hmm. So the first thing all the reporters ask me is, "Well, what's my you know what's my opinion on the bathroom bill?" And of course, I had to say, "Well, I'm against it. I'm against it." Mm-hmm. And I think one of them said, "Well, what are you doing about it?" And I thought, "Well, what am I doing about it?" Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of started what was called the accidental activision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Activision. The um, I got an email from one of my state senators asking me if I would testify at a public hearing. Um, of course, I said I would, and that's kind of the beginning, and it hasn't stopped. I've testified at every public hearing. I've led protests. Um, I'm organizing another one right now for a special session that's happening. Um, I've been to D.C., you know, and all this is basically just to say, look, we're human beings like everybody else. We're your neighbors. We're your, you know, your your parents, your uncles, your mayors. Um, mm-hmm. We're out there. You just haven't barely been um, aware of us. Mm-hmm. And we've been going to the bathroom with you, you know, since the dawn of time. You just hadn't noticed before. Right. I know. Yeah, I am aware of that situation that's going on. And, yeah, it's this whole bathroom bill stuff is really, yeah, it's really upsetting. Um even from this side of the world, you know, as I keep track of things, <laughs> seeing the backlash has been really upsetting. And it is, it's such, it's so obviously just a kind of divisive, uh, let's, uh, 
us against them kind of strategy. And it's it's hard to believe that people have backtracked so vehemently. But uh, so what is the situation now? Uh, it seems like with with all the hate on the side of like, I guess, the Greg Abbott side. Is that the guy? Is it uh, Greg Abbott? And Greg Abbott is... Greg Abbott is the governor. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dan Patrick, yeah. Yeah, or Lieutenant Dan, as Uh I like to call him, Uh um, that is really, really pushing for this. He has just bound and determined that um, he's going to have his way. He pushed this bill through our regular Texas legislature se- legislative session, mm-hmm. and it did not pass. Uh-huh. Democracy had its say. Right. It went before the, the, the Senate. It went before the House. We had public hearings, and it did not pass. So right. he, he-, he held a budget item hostage to force his hand and force what's called a special session. The governor of Texas can call the legislatures back and have them reevaluate certain bills. And Lieutenant Dan was was set in stone that he's going to have this thing going no matter what democracy says. Mm-hmm. So on July the 18th, we will begin another special session where they will take the bathroom bill and a few other bills up for consideration. Um, and, um, you know, we will be there. I'm working with right. the ACLU and the Human Rights Campaign and – um, a bunch of grassroots people that have that I've come to know over the last few months, and you know we're going to do everything we can to make you know understand that this is not an issue. It is right. it is a it's a problem that one gentleman um, who happens to be in a position of power in the state um, just wants you know wants to get pushed. Now, if he's failed once. Does he? Th- are there votes? Is he? Are there votes that he can sway? Or uh, what? What's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? I think we're going to. It's going to come back down to um, a fight between the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. The Senate, Lieutenant Dan Patrick controls. Yeah, and it's a you know it's a much smaller organization. Mm-hmm. Um, having sat through committees in that Senate and looked at you know the people that I had to deal with, um, they have their mind made up. They don't really care. Um, they didn't listen to anyone or anything. They just went in and, and made a cursory glance of, uh, of saying, yeah, um, sure, you're here. We have to have a hearing. There, there were over 400 people to testify. Um, there were over 3,000 people who wrote written testimonies. It was 87% against for that Senate hearing, and they still the Senate still voted for it. Jeez. Now, when we got to the House, the House was much more reasonable, much more understanding, and, um, you know, it did not pass out of the House. Mm-hmm. So I think we're faced with the same situation. The House understands that it's not a problem, that it is – it's not a problem as far as transgender people are, are concerned. Mm-hmm. It is a problem for businesses because all these businesses, uh, Apple, Hewlett-Packard, yep. uh, uh, Amazon, they've all come out harshly against this, stating to the governor – do not do this. It is not good for business. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, just yesterday, the state of California has issued uh, a statement saying that they will no longer pay for any uh, public officials to go to the state of Texas. Uh, wow. They just if you're if you're going to go, you can't go. But because Texas has passed uh, discriminatory bills, right. and this 
didn't even have to do with the bathroom bill per se. This had to do with a bill that they did pass that allowed adoption agencies to discriminate against LGBT individuals. So the state of Texas passed a bill that says they would rather a child not have a home than to allow a child to have a loving home in an LGBT home. Right. I saw that just recently. God. Yeah. That's just, I mean, it's horrible. And it's such a huge contrast to the way you're describing that your city, your town reacted, you know, to like all the support that you got. And uh, you're not in, you're not living in Austin, right? You're not in like the blue. You're you're in a fairly at least red or purple area, aren't you? Um, It would be pretty solid red. Um, It is is considered one of the most conservative uh, areas of the country. Mm -hmm. But as I've told a lot of other journalists that, um, you know, we're conservative in New Hope. But we're fiscally conservative. We're not socially conservative. As a matter of fact, we have kind of a deal. It's like, you know, you do your thing and I'll do my thing. If your thing doesn't bother mine, then that's fine. Right. Um, you know, we come together at the city council meetings to try and decide what's best for everyone. Um, and it, But it's best for everyone. It's not, oh, this one person wants this one thing. Um, That's one of the things that we just absolutely don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of that has to do with why, you know, I've had the acceptance that I have. Mm -hmm. It it, it is driving a few people not crazy, I will tell you that, because they are expecting expecting it to be, you know, different. Mm Mm-hmm. So is there going to be a big mar- another big march in Austin on the Capitol? Um, less of a march and more of a protest. Okay. So there's no public hearings for the special session. Mm-hmm. Um, all we can do is make ourselves, make our presence available. Mm-hmm. We had the same situation a few months ago with several am- amendments that were going on the bathroom bill. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no public hearing. We knew that they were hearing um, a, the budget and we knew that they that there were about six different amendments that would throw you know bathroom restrictions on various unrelated bills. So the only thing we could do is make ourselves known. Um, myself and some people from Austin, some other people from Dallas, organized a grassroots protest. We had originally decided we were going to go to the the Capitol and just stand in front of bathrooms with signs that says, "Do you think you know I should be in this bathroom?" Basically. Uh, as a trans woman, I stood in front of the men's room and said, should I be in here? And we had uh-huh. trans men doing the same thing in front of the women's bathroom. Right. Well, we quickly discovered that the bathrooms in the Capitol are all tucked away neatly behind areas so that you really have no visibility. Oh, I see. Well, that's when we realized that, well, the House chamber has a foyer. Mm-hmm. And everybody, lo- uh, legislatures, their aides, um, lobbyists, everybody uses that foyer as a coming and going point for what's going on in the house. And they're coming and going all day long. Guests show up there, tours mm-hmm. go through there. So we stood outside the, um, the house chamber in the foyer, mm-hmm. uh, and we're very, very visible. We, mm-hmm. Every one of those amendments failed that day, whether it's because of us or other reasons, I don't know, but you know, I can't help believe that we had an influence. We had a lot of the house representatives come out, in in groups and they would go down the line and shake our hands and say thank you for being here so that's what we're going to do again only this time we're going to get more people and we're going to be out in front of the the house chamber in the foyer and the senate chamber in the foyer and if i can get enough people we'll be outside the gallery chambers we're going to plant ourselves as visibly as we can all over the capitol and what we found is that um most people once they know somebody that's actually transgender and once they've met them and talked to them, it really changes their mind. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a really good example during this protest. I was standing there with a trans man named Mel, really wonderful guy. And the, that particular day, there was a, um, a group of Republican women's, uh, a Republican women's group, probably 300 women in red, touring the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So Mel and I are standing there with our signs, and a group of like six of these women came up and said, first they looked at Mel and they go, I, I don't understand. What, what are you saying? And Mel says, why, you know, why should I go to the men's room? <laughs> and they said, well, why shouldn't you? She goes, Cause, um, because this bill will force me not to. She goes, what do you mean? He says, well, I was born female, but now I'm a trans man. She says, what? Mm-hmm. She goes, so what do, y'all, what do y'all want? What, do you, what are you trying to change? And we both look at each other and look at her and go, we're not trying to change anything. Because yep. wait a minute, what, what, how, how have things been? I said, things have been fine. We've been going to the bathroom all along. She goes, so what's going on? I said, they're, I told them, they're trying to act, enact new laws mm-hmm. to keep us from going to the bathroom. She gets this, got this look on their face and they all turn to us. You mean they're trying to add new laws? We don't want new laws. Right. And we said exactly and smiled. And they're like, thank you. And walked off. I mean, they understood um, once they had a chance to talk to us, once they had a chance to really understand the situation, mm-hmm. it's not being presented to the public that way. It's being presented to the public like, oh, we're trying to allow perverts to go into the bathroom. Right. No, yeah. we're just trying to let what's been going on forever with no problems ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just wanted to stay the same. Don't kick us out of the bathrooms we've been using. Exactly. I'm kind of... Ama- well, nothing amazes me anymore. So many things have happened that, uh, so I can't I can't say that anymore. But this is like such. I thought people had moved on from this issue such a long time ago. You know, like I remember first hearing about transgender, like I think about Christine Jorgensen. Right? Isn't wasn't she the most oh, yeah. famous one? Uh, and you know, I remember hearing about it like in Reader's Digest, like when I was a kid, and on the Phil Donahue show and, and back, back then I'm like, okay, well, yeah, if I was born, if I felt I was a woman in a man's body, I would want to change. So why wouldn't we let in, why wouldn't we let those people change? And, and then it became kind of more common and like even, even Donahue and all those talk shows that it was like they'd done that episode so many times they couldn't even do it anymore. It seemed like people had gotten the concept and uh, it was becoming easier the surgeries and the 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 science behind it was getting better people didn't have to fly to other countries i thought it was kind of like settled and now lo and behold here come here it comes again you know with a a whole new wave of misunderstanding yep um and honestly i i i don't know exactly but um one of the things that i've noticed um that i think is possibly what's going on is, you know, there's a huge backlash for the same-sex marriage. And there are still people that are just, you know, up in arms about that. And one of the things that, you know, all the laws they tried to pass to prevent same-sex marriage always made these statements about, well, marriage is between a man and a woman. And people like me blur that definition. They, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to say, well, gee, you know, uh, wait, which, you know, what is a man and what is a woman? And, and I think that was one of the reasons they've turned their ire on us um, right after same-sex marriage was passed. And I noticed this. We had an amendment tacked on to a bill here where they were uh, – it was we called it the Uber bill, but it was a bill to allow 
um, ride share to come back into the state of Texas, and several cities had tossed them out. And they tacked an amendment onto it saying they wanted to define their the non-discrimination clause to say that um, sex as um, the physical being of male or being female. And that kind of makes me think they're really going after that definition of male and female and making sure they really want to make sure that it is absolutely binary. There's nothing in between. It's right. always male. It's always female. And, and it is that way at birth. And I, and I really kind of feel like this, they've turned to us because they lost the battle for same-sex marriage, and now they're, we're, they're looking for the next easiest thing to pick on. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. They need, and of course, they're really good at picking people that are vulnerable. <laughs> vulnerable people are vulnerable people are their favorite. That's yeah. what they're looking for. That's right. And uh, yeah, I guess it, that is a good point because as bad as things seem, sometimes you do have to remind, remember, or at least like I try and remind myself. Wow, you know, there was a time when I thought like same-sex marriage would never be legalized and now it is the law of the land right i mean it it right. does it's not going to be reversed it's it's settled at this point right well it is settled at this point but you know we have a whole new administration we're getting a whole new um you know we got a new supreme court justice um they are really trying their hardest uh uh, and we have a situation where our government is now out completely out of balance. Virtually every state and the federal government um, and both houses are completely controlled by one political party. And right. anytime, anytime you have a single political party in charge of everything, it's not good. It really is a um, you know it, it 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 works to the detriment of the, of the people. Um, I am certainly not a Republican. Um, I have never been um, – I've never been a registered politician in, in any particular party. Um, mm-hmm. a, as a mayor, it's a, it's a nonpartisan um, election. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I mean, I have no choice. I register with the Democratic Party, and I'm going to work. And I have to tell you, I would never want to see every state and the government and the, and the federal government controlled by the democratic party either no Mm -hmm. one party needs to control everything we need to come back to the middle um and so that's you know that's my position from here on out and i'm going to do my best to bring our country back to the middle i don't want to push it all the way to the other side uh that's just as dangerous and there are a lot of people that you know they feel that way but honestly one of the things i've told my children who are now grown and married by the way Mm -hmm. um congratulations they were young (laughs) I, i think they were young when you when i last worked with you but yes i always told them growing up said you know not too little not too much find a find a spot right in the middle mm-hmm. um and it's the way i feel about politics and it's you know what we're gonna have to try and do so when are you running for governor <laughs> not governor um I've, I've entertained a few other positions and mm-hmm. i've uh, attended some, you know, the Collin County Democratic meetings on certain things, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure. Um, my U.S. Congress rep is oh. um, not running for office again, so okay. there'll be no incumbent in that race. Okay. There are already um, three people running for that office. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is a, a female lawyer who I have a little, ha- I have some respect for, and. I, you know, I may jump on her ticket or I may decide to run. I have not, I haven't decided yet. I will run for something in 2018, mm-hmm. whether it's my mayor's position, a county commissioner position, 
um, or a U.S. congressman, I will run for something. Well, good. I hope so. I'll keep you posted on what. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, um, I think you would be fantastic in whatever role you you pursue. I think your voice is very uh, important on the global stage right now. Um, I saw that you posted you got that. Uh, was it the the Hindustani? Was that the one that wrote the, the Indian newspaper that ha- did the piece on you, or was it the yes? Or was yes? It, yeah, Hindustan Times. Okay, New Delhi. Yep. yep. Yeah. So did that bring you back to your uh, times of working with me at ZTV? <laughs> it did a little bit. It did. <laughs> um, you know, and I enjoyed those times. I learned more about Indian culture. Um, well, American Indian culture, anyway, mm-hmm. than than any other time. Yep. Um, yeah. So. Um, it's kind of fun, and, and it's interesting to know that it, I got picked up. Um, I got picked up there, and I know I saw you on the BBC, and I know yeah yep. you're doing press all over the place, right? I've yeah, I've done the BBC. I've done radio shows in Ireland, Spain, uh, Australia, and Canada at this point. <laughs> Um, n- newspapers, um, I'm not sure where, oh, I know one, the BBC, um, was picked up. I have, my daughter has a friend in the Czech Republic mm-hmm. and she, she messaged my daughter said, your, your dad is on TV right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, what they had done is rebroadcast the BBC and I'm thinking, God, I wish she'd recorded that cause I'd love to hear myself dubbed in Czech. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> wow. And it has been a real whirlwind just in the past six months it's it, it has been an amazing six months um when it first started i kept telling my wife I said look it's 15 minutes of fame it'll end anytime and i'm still saying that if, you know it'll end anytime the 15 minutes of fame have got to be over at some point doesn't look that way <laughs> <laughs> that's what everybody tells me we'll we'll see what happens people will get tired of me eventually well i don't know about that but um so how how big is new hope New Hope is less than 700 people. Okay. And you border up, which, what's the closest city? Is it Dallas or McKin- is it? Oh, McKinney. McKinney. Okay. Right. We are just north and east of McKinney. We are landlocked by McKinney, meaning that McKinney has, um, we what's don't have McKinney you? City around us. Oh. Yeah, well, what we have is what's called ETJ, Extended uh, Territorial Jurisdiction. Basically, it's a tag, that's mine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The town of, the, the city of McKinney said, hey, we claim all this town for future annexation. Right. They have not annexed it. They haven't provided any services, but that prevents us from expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, we are um, we're, we're basically a rural town of large lots. Our smallest lot size is two acres. Um, our two residential zonings are SF2 and SF4, which are two-acre and four-acre lots. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of uh, people have um, stables in their backyards, and they have horses or I have um, I have 50 acres and I have cattle um, really? and then we have a lot of places with um, you know just two acre homes in, in wooded areas that's one of the things that was uh, I think a big draw for uh, and I'll use the term development loosely applied to, to New Hope because we are small but mm-hmm. um, we have a couple of neighborhoods that are built in um, just large stands of oak trees and that drew people from you know the area because they wanted the trees you used to live here you know that um trees are not a a big thing in north texas there's you know we have a lot of just open land and fields and and so people found areas with trees and creeks and so they um they moved out here and built on large lots that's really the what 
the town of New Hope is all about. You have 50 head of cattle? Um, I have 50 acres. No, right now oh. I have about 16 cattle. Oh, 16. Okay, 50 acres and 16 Yeah. yeah. And, so you're a rancher. Technically speaking, yes, because I don't grow any type of um, crop. Mm-hmm. So in the state of Texas, the definition of a ranch is a you know an agricultural in, uh, entity that that deals with just um, livestock mm-hmm. and a farm grows agriculture. I hate calling it a ranch because <laughs> fifty acres doesn't doesn't evoke the, the the vision of ranch to me. When you say ranch, I think of sprawling hundreds of acres, you know, in right. in the hill country or what have you. But mm-hmm. technically, yes, it is a ranch. And uh, what do you do with the cows? Are they uh Dairy cows or what? So that's one of my favorite jokes. People ask me, what kind of cows do you have? You have beef cows or dairy cows? And I tell them I have tax cows. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, couldn't, I could not afford the property taxes on 50 acres if it was not an agricultural fact. Uh-huh, okay. I keep up an agricultural um, entity. Um, so I raise, I raise cows uh, and I sell them. Okay. Um, every year I have a stock of calves and every year I sell those stock of calves and then, you know, my mama cows make me a whole new set to sell the next year. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Did, were you, was this your first foray into uh, agriculture or uh, I should say, yeah. Well, uh, yes, I, I moved here in 1999. So, um, when I moved here, this was the farm that my wife grew up on. Her father graciously offered to give us some land so we could build a nicer home. He had ulterior motives. He wanted his granddaughters close. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really his farm and his ranch, and he kind of taught me how things work. He passed away in 2007, so for 10 years it has been – you know, it has been my responsibility to to handle the cattle and the and the farm, or mine and my wife's. Uh, before that, he handled it. But yeah, I've I've got ten years into it. Okay, but before that, you'd never had any experience no. with it. Wow. No, none whatsoever. Okay, well, that brings me to to what I really want to talk about, which is video engineering. <laughs> okay, because you're still you're still doing the video work, right? You're you told I me, am. Yep. So you're do, taking care of all the channels for the city of Plano. Is that what you said? Correct. Um, I am uh, one of my. I'm still a consultant. I still work for a variety of companies, but um, I guess my big gig is that I work for the city of Plano as their broadcast engineer. Mm-hmm. They broadcast every city council and planning and zoning meeting, along with things like police memorials and. Um, telephone town halls, and we have a variety of events that we broadcast. I have uh, four cable channels that I broadcast over, and I stream live over the Internet. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's my job to make sure that all of that that goes out. Along with that, we have um, four production suites that have, um, well, we've just, we just phased out Avid, um, but yeah. we have um, – Final Cut and Adobe Premiere is what we're using mostly. Mm-hmm. And so we use these to produce PSAs and videos for the rest of the city to use in the promotion, things to go on um, the website. So, yeah, between the broadcast and making sure that all their production machines work, um, you know, that, that, that keeps me busy for a couple of days a week. And the rest of the time I spread out amongst um, a few other companies. Right. 
Well, I can't tell you how many times over the past 10 years I wish I could have called you when I had a, a video problem because no one could solve them as well as you can. You can. Um, and there was, a bi- there was a one fairly long period of time where we were completely out of touch and like I had no idea where you, where you were. Um, and I was just like, ah, oh, if only I could call Jeff, he could fix this. <laughs> Well, you you can think that again, but switch that to Jess and she. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. That's the only thing that's changed. Well, I'm uh, I'm impressed that uh, I mean four channels. That's a lot, and I can only imagine. You know, I grew up in Plano, so uh, right. But I have not been back there in a long time. Probably, good grief, at least twenty years, I would think. And so I'm it's, sure it's changed a lot. I mean, it was it was always a fast-growing city, but it sounds like it's pretty enormous now. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it, you would not recognize it. It has gone from that suburban city mm-hmm. to a very urban environment. Um, really? Virtually all the yes, virtually all the new development are uh, what's called you know mixed use. We have uh, four, five, six, seven-story uh, buildings that are retail on the bottom and apartments above. Wow. Uh, they're built, you know, uh, with this, uh, you know, just short streets, no, no giant parking lots. If, if there's parking lots, they're parking garages tucked away. And we've, um, they've, uh, attracted, uh, people like Toyota, mm-hmm. uh, Toyota recently moved their work, their, uh, North American headquarters that consolidated three other, um, headquarters in the United States to just to Plano, um, State Farm has done the same thing. Ericsson has their North American World Headquarters here. It is just, it's, it's a completely different city than you're used to. It, it has really, really changed. Sounds like it's changed for the better. It has. It has. I Honestly, I love going to these places where you can, you know, you can walk the street and directly across the streets. Uh, uh, you know, if you want the ice cream, go over there. Mm-hmm. To the right, you know, there's a nice restaurant here. And, you know, you're not walking, you're not going to a giant mall and parking into a um, thousand acre parking lot and walking mm-hmm. into a mall. You know, it's it's much more like um, a European city. And, wow. And people people live above these, these stores. So, you know, they they have a sustaining, thriving um, customer, customer base. base. Yeah. Right, where, you know, a lot of the places, even in Plano, you know, Plano built all these strip centers. And, you know, a few years later, um, you'd go by and they were just dying because they were losing their, their customer base. Mm-hmm. That's not happening with the, um, you know, the multipurpose housing. It's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's to me, I feel like I'm watching the United States mature. Um, I've been to Europe and I see how they live and I see, you know, and I realize they've been doing this for hundreds of years. And it's like, I look at all the growing pains and the spurts and the weird things that the United States tried. And we're finally, finally maturing into that same model that, Mm -hmm. uh, the Europeans and I think most of the rest of the world has had for a long time. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because you're describing like the huge sprawling parking lot and, you know, walking across nothing but concrete pavement to a huge mall that that was my uh recollection of, of plano <laughs> that's and it's still that way in my memory well if you get a chance to come back uh let me know and i'll take you uh to plano and you'll be amazed i will and you're yeah. talking about walking across that sprawling parking lot of course you remember doing that in july and august right how much fun that was oh, yeah exactly <laughs> the uh urban heat I- no that was yeah the urban heat island effect that's yes 
Um, you know, you go back out to your car after being in the mall, and if it had a, a thermometer in it, it would say like 112 or 115 from, you know, baking out there in that giant concrete um, acreage. It's just, it's amazing. Um, you know, the way the buildings are now, they provide shade, there's trees. Um, it's just it's just so much nicer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the pain of summer. I mean, now I, <laughs> I, I live in Singapore on the, on the equator, and no, okay. nothing here compares to the heat of a Texas summer. No, it doesn't, because <laughs> yeah. you know you're pretty moderate. I mean, moderate, but you're it's pretty even all year round. You don't get those. Oh my God, it's just it's baking now. No. And of course, these days with the climate change, we don't have really winters anymore. Um, it's it's just it's bizarre. I think it the coldest it got this year was maybe twenty degrees for twenty eight degrees for a day, but most of the time through the winter it was sixty. Wow. Um, 50, you know, just not like it was when I was a child. Yeah, that's frightening. I mean, the climate change, that's a whole other issue, which I don't want to start talking about. Because we, we <laughs> no, we won't. We don't have another hour or two hours, but uh, that, maybe we can talk about it some other time. That's another scary, frightening thing that uh, people are <laughs> having such a great time denying, which is <laughs> baffling know, to me. I know, I know. Um, and, it, and yeah, when you have when you have a couple hours, we we can make a whole show out of the uh, the, the whole movement toward. Um, I don't care about facts, reality. I just want to know. I just want to believe what I want to believe. That yeah. seems to be part of what's engulfing our country at this point. But mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm hopeful. There's also plenty of signs the other way around. Um, you know, I'm about to put a post basically. Um, Showing some things that happened this this week, kind of this week in transgender. There's there's pictures of me and a transgender woman from Washington named Sarah McBride invited to Hewlett Packard to give a speak to their country, uh, their company, company wide on a way on a webcast. Mm-hmm. There's a, a transgender woman who's a friend of mine in Austin who's now sitting on the first um, LGBT quality of life panel put together by the the city of Austin. Um, there's another friend of mine, a transgender woman who's running for Congress, who was at uh, a young lawyer's uh, wine tasting last night. And and the point of this post is just going to be, look, while they're trying to you know deny our existence, we are in public life, corporate life, uh, and political life more and more every year than we ever have been. We are making great strides. We really are. There's a big... There's a huge difference in our presence these days than there used to be. Um, so while there is the bad going on, there's also the good. And, mm-hmm. and I'm an optimist, and I like, to, I like to focus on the good while fighting the bad. Okay. Well, I don't think we're going to have a more positive ending than that. So <laughs> I, I've, okay. got my, I've got my closing remarks. No, thank you, Jess. <laughs> You're you're welcome, David. It's so good to talk to you again. Nice to talk to you, and uh, I hope we can like keep I can keep following up with you and uh, Ab- do this every so often. Absolutely, put put me down as as, as a regular, and uh, you know I apologize if if we kind of had some mixed timing there, but it is a crazy time. But hopefully it'll calm down a little, so I can do something on, on a little more regular basis. Oh well, that's great. Um, I really appreciate it, and um, it's been so great getting back in touch with you. And uh, I'll, I'll, anything you need, I'm here if you need any support. And I'm watching your, I'm watching your whirlwind from the other side of the world. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And um, give your wife a hug. Tell her I said hello. And I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. You can follow Jess uh, at jessherps.com. 
and she spells that J-E-S-S-H-E-R-B-S-T. And on Twitter, she's at underscore Jess Herbst. Someone Else's Memories by Revolution Void and Calm the Fuck Down by Broke for Free are used under a Creative Commons attribution license.